Hello, everybody. My name is Jill Whalen, and I am on a mission to empower people to break the diet cycle and live their best life to the fullest. I founded my company, Whalen Wellness, based on this mission and continue to help thousands of people through my virtual bootcamp and four pillar system. We will share this safe space and grow together for the well of it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm super excited for our conversation. I mean, let's be real. I always am. I schedule these things on Fridays for a reason. It really, it's just like such a highlight for me to do these conversations. But today's topic was sent in by one of our listeners. I did a Instagram story recently where I said in my story, I talked a little bit about the podcast. This was before Christmas. And I talked about how, what a, what a fun piece that that has added to what I do at Whale and Wellness. And I love it so much. I love the people I'm meeting through and I love the conversations we're having. And one of our listeners asked for us to explore the topic of marriage and marriage through parenting. So preserving that marriage through the journey of parenting. And when I use the word marriage today, I just want to say that I'm using it like partnership. So any, any relationship, two people living together and navigating the parenting, um, I want to say roller coaster, but that sets us up for a certain direction for this conversation, doesn't it? So I do have a very special guest today. I'm so excited that she carved time out of her busy schedule to be here. So please welcome my colleague, but also my friend, Dr. Shannon Edison. Welcome, Shannon. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited you're here. So for the purposes of our listeners, I'm going to first share a little bit about Dr. Edison. She's been with us in our virtual wellness programming for over a year now. I can't believe it. We're together a year. And, and through that, I'm really happy to say we've developed a friendship. We've become Absolutely. buddies. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's such a, it's been such a gift to my life. I'll tell you that yes. in both, you know, professional and personal ways. So Dr. Shannon Edison is a clinical psychologist and a director at a private practice here in St. John's, the Beacon Center. She holds an appointment as a clinical lecturer in the discipline of psychiatry in the faculty of medicine at Memorial University of Newfoundland. Prior to working full-time in private practice, Dr. Edison was the provincial coordinator for clinical training in psychology at Eastern Health. Dr. Edison provides therapy services to children, adolescents, families, and adults presenting with a variety of mental health concerns. And Dr. Edison regularly engages in public speaking on the topic of mental health to organizations and community groups. Some other things about my friend here, Shannon. She also um, is a mom. She's a mom of two boys, James and Henry, and she's married to Ben, who, fun fact, is also a psychologist. So Dr. Edison and Dr. Goddard, Yes, that's right. They've been together for 20 years, so they know a thing or two about this thing called uh, relationship and marriage. They've been married for almost 15 years. They've had a long journey with fertility treatments for eight years. James and Henry are the result of a lot of love, determination, and science. They've had to navigate how to create and maintain a healthy relationship during and post-fertility treatment and post-kids. Dr. Edison has also been a member of Whale and Wellness since August of 2020, and she tell, tells me that she plans to stay a member for eternity. She loves being around people and laughing whenever possible and loves having time to herself as well. Her favorite way to spend some alone time is to sit with a cup of coffee and a cookbook. Mm-hmm. 
So once again, welcome. I'm so glad you're here for this conversation. <laughs> so I had the pleasure of meeting Ben just in December here before the world locked down again. I feel like we would have yep. gotten together again since that if we yeah. could have, but um, we had a little small get together for our Whalen Wellness team and you guys came and it was, it's funny because when you and I first met, mm -hmm. uh, we met, of course, you know, you were in my program, but then we met through Zoom, setting this up as a, as a, as a professional partnership. Yeah. And then we met in person and I remember I was just so drawn to you from the beginning and I was like, okay, I want this professional relationship with her, but I also want to be her bestie. Like, she's so great. <laughs> You're just so wonderful. And what's so funny <laughs> about, about that you. is when we introduced our husbands, yeah. my husband was like, okay, <laughs> did we just become best friends? Like, he loves Ben. <laughs> yes. no, ben feels the same about Peter. It was so funny because... Um, you know, obviously Ben knows how much I adore you and that he was watching me go through the stage of becoming your friend and how excited I was and all of these things. But then it just became this very funny situation where Ben was like, we need to get together with him and I need his number. And it just went from there. I'm like, oh boy. They went from like within the two hour span, they were playing ping pong. They were designing outdoor rinks. They were <laughs> coaching hockey together. Like they were doing yeah. all of the things. It was so great. Yeah. He's lovely. And I, I look forward to us spending some time socially, hopefully as restrictions ease here. Yes, that is our hope. But isn't it a wild ride to move that relationship from, you know, you meet, you're smitten with each other, you're building that relationship, you're working towards things like marriage and home ownership maybe, and then into the family, and then we're raising these humans. So yeah. I can say I'm in a weird place here recently because we're heading into teenage years while still parenting a six-year-old and it's and all the crazy the age stuff. Spend, aren't you? <laughs> yeah and and so just the other day it's funny because peter is also self-employed so we at lunchtime the other day we took that time to go and get groceries and as we were as we were leaving costco i told him that you were coming on the podcast to talk about this topic and i yeah. he said well, he said what are you guys talking about and i said we're talking about marriage like preserving your marriage through parenting and he was like made a little bit of a cringy face and then he said well i'll tell you how to preserve your marriage through parenting have a bunch of kids and then you don't have time to think about anything ever <laughs> like or have a bunch of kids and then you don't have any money to get divorced anyways like you <laughs> No, you don't have time to recognize if you've got any problems. You're too busy. That's right. <laughs> and, and it's so what I find, let's start there because I find we are so busy between our, you know, our work, our extracurriculars, because Peter plays sports and I do some stuff and, and then the kids schedules and, and driving them around yeah. and keeping up with that and making sure the homework is done and trying to keep the laundry going. It's just so busy. So how do we keep the marriage a marriage through all of this like what mm -hmm. how do we start how, how do we prioritize that i mean i don't know I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's another fun fact i said to you before in planning this podcast i said i don't expect you to give away the secret sauce and you said good because i don't have it <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, i think one of the fun things about being a psychologist and you know getting to still be a living breathing human that's going through all the the regular life struggles is that, you know, we're never uh, just kind of sitting back watching other people experience right. some struggles and unaware of what it would feel like, you know, no matter what it is. I mean, if, if it's worries, we all experience worries. And um, 
you know, it is really an interesting experience being a psychologist that does a lot of couples work and families work, family work. And I read a lot of things and do a lot of training and about relationships. And then I'm in a relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to, to have that experience. And, and he is too, he's a psychologist too, but you know, we became psychologists after we became a couple, you know? So it's, we've kind of gone right. through, um, you know, all of the typical stages of being in a relationship and becoming, uh, you know, psychologists along the way. But, you know, I think when I joke about not having the secret sauce or, you know, when, when Jill first found out that, that Ben was a psychologist, she joked and said, oh, you guys must have a perfect marriage. And I <laughs> literally like laughed out loud, you know, choked on my coffee. You did. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like, no, of course we don't, because we're still humans and we still have to try to figure out how to live a life together and all that stuff. But I think the, the one unique uh, kind of strength that we've developed is that we do have all of the same struggles that other couples have. You know, everybody has their own triggers and the kind of the challenges and the juggling act. And I think we figured out how to kind of fold in some of the things that we know are really effective for relationships. And so, you know, I'm, I, I want to talk a little bit about what I've learned as a couples therapist, but also just kind of what we've tried out, you know, what kind of yeah. helps us along the way that makes us very far from perfect. But there are lots of times when I'm like, I feel like um, we're putting in a good effort here and it is helping. It's far that's, from ideal, you know? That's the way I feel. Like Peter and I have been together for 24 years and married for 16. And it's not like we've never, you know, broken up or had a separation or, or parted ways. But like, of course, there's there's things that you have to learn and you have to go through and you have to struggle through both individually and as a couple. And one of the things like marriage, my marriage is one of the things that I have in my life that I'm most proud of. And that doesn't mean that every day is perfect. Far from it. And if he was yeah. here, he'd say the same thing. <laughs> but it's important to me. I really, like, if there is, if it's one of those periods where there is some tension or there is, we're not just not seeing things eye to eye, it, it's very, very heavy for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's something that bothers me to the point where, okay, this is, my focus is shifting here now. Like, this is, this is something that we have to work through because I, I I can't, you're my, he's my best friend. You know what I mean? Like he's, and I need that. And I try, I try so hard. We got married on December 17th. So my, my master plan as a, you know, very young, 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 inexperienced person in a marriage (laughs) said at that time, (laughs) you know, it's so great. We'll get married on December 17th. And then every year around the most magical time of the year, we will be prioritizing our marriage in that wedding day. December is madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a busy month. It is so hard, but we still like, even, and every single year we have the same conversation where Peter will say, where do you want to go for dinner this year? And I'll say, I don't know if we should this year. Like there's a lot going on. Maybe we should, I don't know, save the money. Summer or, anniversary date. Yeah. Or do it later. And he's like, okay, okay. We, we you know, let's just Pedal forward. We always have this conversation. P.S. I've booked us a reservation. Let's <laughs> just move forward. <laughs> yeah. But it is all about recognizing, I think, that the, it does take work. It's not, yeah, none of us are, right. are going to coast through this thing. I know. And, you know, it's interesting, too. Like, we joke about, oh, if you're, if you're so busy, that's the key to kind of, you know, 
not splitting up or whatever, make yourself so busy, you don't have time to focus on it. And obviously, you know, we're joking about that. But isn't it interesting that, um, you know, you just said that if something doesn't feel right, like if there's a tension in your relationship, Mm -hmm. it it kind of overrides everything. And it just goes to show like, no matter how busy we are, if that foundation is feeling really rocky, it kind of, it just, it, it's, it's really hard to set something like that aside because it's at the core of our kind of our lives and our day. And so if that's not feeling like it's going well, it's really hard. Like we can't compartmentalize. We can't kind of say, well, I'm still going to kill it in my job and parenting and all those things. Yeah. Cause if at the end of the day, that partner that you're doing all this with, if you feel like things are, are feeling really strained, it just has a ripple effect over everything. It's so oh, yes. difficult to just carry on you know so no matter how busy we are if it's if there's a struggle we're gonna really feel it and it does kind of just feels like it trumps everything doesn't it yeah and it's strange like i'm so glad you i feel very seen already and very validated and i feel this way every time i speak to you but (laughs) i feel that like i cannot shut it off you know if i'm feeling something I cannot shut it off. Like I wouldn't be able to have a big argument with Peter and then come in here and teach a class. I just wouldn't. Yeah, that's right. You know, I can't, I, I need to um, sort through the things even if I don't know how to sort through the things. And, and one yeah. thing, again, it's far from perfect over here, but one thing that I've really learned is that we, everybody has trigger points. Everybody has things that, um, feel abrasive when maybe the other partner wouldn't expect it to feel abrasive or feel heavy or feel stressful. And that's a result of our own paradigm. Like that's our upbringing or that's our parents' relationship or that's other things. Yeah. It's our story, right? And if we can see that and and communicate that, then it's better than in those situations. Like I know some, there's some topics for us that feel hot and we've learned over the years that, okay, well, this is why it feels hot. So let's talk it through. Exactly. Um, you know, there's, there are a number of very um, amazing, amazing couples therapists out there that do a lot of training and write books. And, and one of them is Esther Perel that, you know, a lot of people might have heard of her. She's incredible. So she's got a podcast and, and I've, I've, you know, listened to a lot of her work. And one of the things she talked about is that, um, you know, some couples will say, we're, all we do is fight. We're fighting all the time. Um, and it can feel like you're just having one fight after another fight um, about different topics because the situation that kind of brings it up may be different. Right. Um, but one of the things she points out is that we're often having the same argument that kind of at its core, the same theme kind of, you know, starts to play out. And she talks about one couple that she was working with um, the end, you know, when she talks with couples, she'll often say, she'll ask them about their childhood, their experience with their families. And she asks them how they learn to say yes and how they learn to say no, kind of in, in life, which brings about a lot. Like if you really kind of explore your experiences and hearing people say yes or no, or you kind of learning to when to say yes, when to say no, it does kind of often bring up a lot of interesting points of reflection. This one couple that was saying, like, we are always fighting, we're always fighting. When she really kind of, you know, was working with them and boiled it down, the the man in the relationship had been raised in a way that he felt really judged and criticized by his father. So there was a lot of kind of um, conversations where he felt inadequate. He wasn't doing a good enough job. 
she had been raised in a family where the mom struggled with alcohol addiction and she took on a lot of responsibility and felt very alone. She did a lot of things kind of on her own, felt um, it's kind of uh, like she had just the weight of the world on her shoulders. It was all on her. So when, they, when they would kind of fight as, as, as adults, oftentimes what would end up happening is like she might ask, him to do something or kind of say something that where he interpreted criticism and he would, that would kind of trigger him in terms of feeling inadequate. He didn't want to feel inadequate. He would get really angry and leave, kind of leave the situation. She would feel alone and again, feel like the responsibility is on me. I'm here by myself. I'm lonely again. And so the theme of him not wanting to feel inadequate and her not wanting to be alone continued to play out over, over, over something like the dishes, right? right? Just something. And so, you know, I think, you know, in my experience in working with couples and even just trying to navigate, you know, understanding the way that Ben and I work is figuring out like, what are the, the themes that kind of come up? Like, what are some of the things that we carry with us that um, the other, our partner may not be insinuating anything that we're interpreting? Like we can often, yeah. make, you know, assumptions of what they mean but it's based on, you know, our story. And if we don't really know what that is, and we don't know that we're kind of on the lookout for that, we're on the lookout for rejection or the lookout to kind of be told that we're doing something wrong, then if we don't know that that's kind of our vulnerability, we won't know that we're kind of scanning our partner for that and then jumping to that conclusion. And so it's like, if we're not aware of kind of what our own stories are, we will keep having the same argument, you know, we will keep kind of playing the same thing out. Most of the couples that I work with, they, they come in talking about an event that happened, mm -hmm. but the, the theme is always the same, or there may, you know, sure, there might be a few themes, but for the most part, it's one theme and we just keep, we just keep playing it over and over. Yeah. Cause different circumstances would trigger those same feelings or underlying beliefs or experiences. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like when we think about what makes a marriage work, you know, we know that there is, you know, there's been some great research in this topic. Um, and it's kind of a, what, you know, which one do we focus on first? Like in terms of when I was thinking about having this conversation today, it's like, well, we know that there are kind of, you know, John and Julie Gottman are, are couples psychologists. They're really, really famous. They've done a lot of um, research in the area and and so they've done a lot of research that kind of shows the main factors that will contribute to a relationship breakdown and the main factors that will contribute to a relationship success. And I almost find it most interesting to start by thinking about what they identify as the things that lead it to breakdown, because it's helpful to kind of know what we really want to make sure we're not doing, Yeah, you know, to kind of recognize like, you know, even though we may come about these behaviors quite innocently, you know, without awareness, um, without kind of any malice towards the other person, we can fall into these traps and knowing what, knowing like, whoa, this is definitely a really maladaptive kind of way for me to be handling this or for us to kind of be interacting with each other. This is going to lead us into trouble. Yeah. It's helpful, right? It's good to know what, what things we really want to stay. Absolutely. It's things that you can, you can see that um, if you're heading down that path. At yeah. least we can do some work to try to turn it around. Yeah. Do you want to hear what they are? Yes. So this John and Julie Gottman have created what they call um, 
the force four horsemen of the apocalypse is what they call it whoa they have four (laughs) four (laughs) things that they say are really um destructive in a relationship so the first one is chronic criticism the second one is defensiveness Mm -hmm. the third one is stonewalling where you kind of give your partner the silent treatment, you kind of block them out, shut shut them down. And the fourth one, which is by far the most catastrophic in relationships, is contempt. Contempt yeah. in terms of kind of treating the other person as though their thoughts and their feelings do not matter. Mm-hmm. You can't even reach me, right? You can't reach me. It doesn't matter how you think or you feel. You can't touch me. You can't reach me. Mm-hmm. Even just hearing that list of four, it all feels very toxic to me. It all feels yeah. very heavy. Yeah. Yeah. But you can and see how you you'd fall about down it, like, that sometimes if you're, yes, if you're exactly. having these repetitive arguments or issues or not. Yeah. I can absolutely think of a million times I've been defensive for one. Like that's or such critis- an easy one. Or critical. critical. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my right? goodness. Yeah. You can definitely do some introspection around these and yeah. own a little bit of, of what you've been doing. Instead of looking at it the other way, instead of taking that list of four and saying, oh, he does that, he does that. Yeah. I'm more looking at it like, oh, I've done that. Oh, maybe yeah. I've done that before. Like, these are things I do and not it's want okay. to do. Yeah. It's okay for us to do it sometimes, you know, because we're yeah. human, obviously, um, you know, it's that, it's the really consistent part to it right? If that's a really dominant way that you guys interact, or if you feel like something that Ben and I, I feel like we work really hard at, um, is going back to it. So we'll have a day where we are really sleep deprived. We're really strung out. We're frustrated about stuff with the kids and like, we just poke at each other, right? Like we are just picking at each other and the passive aggression is just alive and well, like we can, (laughs) we can really give it to each other. Um, And in that moment, if you, if I were to say, oh, I should really stop doing that. uh, Like, that's kind of like asking myself to do something I can't do because I'm already really just at my wits end about stuff. Right. And so, um, but we try to go back to it. It might have to be like the next day, but to kind of like, I will say like, I was really defensive, you know, when you brought up like, and so we can't like always prevent it from happening. And there's going to be times and you just kind of make a pass- passive aggressive comment and you, you just decide to never go back and fix that one. It is okay. Yeah. And I mean, these are the people too, like the people that we're in relationship with in marriage. It's, it's the, literally the closest person to you. You know yeah. each other's inner working so well, you know? And, and, and like you said, sometimes there's, sometimes there's days for sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's about, you know, so, th- so moving into and toward a little bit that parenting piece, like it's things are so busy. Our plates are yes. so full all the time. So how do we intentionally devote that time to the relationship as the relationship and only the relationship, you know? I remember the day, Shannon, that the day that I found out I was pregnant with my first son, like as soon the stick, the test was not dry. And I thought, (laughs) because we were married then uh, nine months or so, nine or 10 months. And I remember thinking immediately, okay, but forever and always, no matter if we have one child or a dozen children, forever and always, this marriage is everything to me. Like this right. is, I'm so, I feel so lucky to have what we have. And I promise myself and I promise him that regardless of these children that we're going to love so much, we 
have each other and we will always remember that. And, and, and we do, of course, but the schedules we keep. So it's, you know, I find for us, and I go to bed early most nights and yeah. Peter's gotten in the habit actually of coming to bed the same time as me more often now, but sometimes throughout the week, you know, you're shifting schedules. He might have to pick up one of our kids after this time that I'm already in bed or, or, or asleep. So then we're looking forward to the next opportunity that we get to, okay, let's make sure that after the kids go to bed or at least after max, cause we have teenagers that we sit down together and chat through these things, or we hang out or we sit down and have a snack and play a game, or we sit down and strategize but it's it's yeah. I think it's the time I think yeah. it's really that time just for each other and just just trying to and it's hard not to use that time talking about work or talking about the kids mm-hmm. or talking about those things but it's it's devoting your time it's the most important thing that you have I know and figuring out what that time is right like figuring out you know because we I, I think we before kids maybe more than than after evening is a time to kind of connect, right? You kind of just, well, you know, cooks, you know, oftentimes get to cook supper together and yeah. have your meal together and, and you're not kind of chauffeuring kids around. Like we'll often talk about, like, imagine we just had from 5.30 to bedtime to just like, to, like, to just hang out. Like hang that, out. that feels impossible now, right? <laughs> oh, no, it's not. Because it's just like, it's more of a like, it's not uncommon for, for me and Henry to get home and James and Ben have already left for hockey. They've already had something quickly to eat or they're yeah. they've eaten in the car. Like that idea of like a family meal um, is something that we try to do, but it's far from every day, right? It might be once a week that we can do that. So it's even figuring out like, well, when, because before kids, you have a lot more access to figuring out when that time could be. And then after you've had kids, it's literally looking at a schedule, you know? Mm-hmm. I think too, like, you know, so much of the research shows that the more we schedule, the the more effective things will be in terms of our relationship. So like tons and tons of literature that suggests that scheduling, um, who's going to kind of do what domestic duties, like literally writing it out wow. putting it on the fridge has been shown to be really, really effective. Um, similarly, it's extremely effective and been found to be really healthy to schedule when you're going to have sex. And most people are like, oh my God, no way. Like, oh, we're no. going here. I am so excited. We're going here. We're doing this. Okay. Yeah. I talk about this stuff every day with clients. Because you know that it's that intimate piece too, that makes you yeah. more like, like I said, Peter's my best friend. Like we have so many laughs together yeah. and we hang out together, but intimacy is at the core yeah. of your relationship. It's key. Yes. It's like one of our, it's one of our, our human needs, right? Primal intimacy, instinct. meaning like it, you know, obviously sex is part of that, but intimacy in terms of just that nurturing and that like physical connection, right. like that. That, that comfort that space. comes with it. Comfort. Yeah. Yeah. That it is a really, really, really basic need that we all have from the minute we come into the world. And I mean, that is one of the biggest things that gets hit after kids, right? Because right. Uh, there's just so many factors, massive hormonal factors that play a really big role for men and women. And people don't even realize that men experience hormonal changes after, after they have babies too. Mm-hmm you know, that right after having a baby, their testosterone drops, which is this really cool kind of primitive part of our biology. Yeah. That's to kind of keep the man from going off, like the male (laughs) from going off and finding something else. Uh, (laughs) Right. It's kind of a, when, when, you know, 
we first have babies, men's testosterone drops too, which is kind of a, a you know, a really interesting, but it rebounds really quickly as, right. as all women will say. Yeah. As we yeah know. That didn't yeah. last very long. So um, in saying what you said there about how it's really effective to schedule the household domestic yeah. duties and also really important to schedule sex and intimate times yeah. is that, so that's the intentionality behind it. Because That's it. you yeah. know what I've learned, like I've, you know, I've been on this little personal growth quest myself for the last three or four years. And yeah. I find that bringing such intentionality into the things that I do makes it all better. So I can yeah. completely see that. Yes. And I think a lot of times, you know, couples will resist the notion of anything scheduled because it's not what they want and it doesn't match up to their expectations that our expectations get set kind of of our relationship before having kids. And that idea of letting go of spontaneity is something that people cling to. They're like, no, that's not what I want. Mm. And yet, um, you know, all the literature will say, yeah, but in early stages of a relationship, it's not actually completely spontaneous. When you're going on a date, you yeah. know you're going on a date. You're planning for that stuff. You're aware you're going on a date. Yeah. You are thinking about it through the day. You're doing the different things that you do in preparation for a date. What a great point. Date, what a right? great point. It's that honeymoon newness. Yeah, it's, we yeah. just have this like very unrealistic um, expectation that that doesn't even really line up with with what life actually looked like before. It's just that that notion like... And so it's about kind of recognizing like, yeah, we want life to be really spontaneous. And at a certain point we have to accept, yeah, but we're not in Tahiti. Like we're not on vacation. Yeah. Just, you know, this is kind of real life. And so really it's been found to be so, so healthy for relationships to say, hey, like let's schedule this all out, you know, like let's schedule it out and just see how it goes. And I can't think of any couples that have come back and said that was terrible. They're like, wow. That was, that's, re it's really, really helping. It's taken all the kind of, you know, kind of people are making assumptions and just a lot of stuff that comes up that can cause tension. And so literally scheduling, like, whose job is it to do recycling? And what day do you want to have sex? Yep. And mapping it all out. It's it such a, just a really healthy relationship. You may feel, and I don't know if this is a female thing, but I think you may feel from day to day that there's so much on your plate and, and, and you're tired at the end of the day. Um, you may feel like, okay, that's that's an, just another thing to add in. But when you do add it in, you're, yeah. it's very natural. It's your stress relief. It's your, yeah. it's your safe space. It's your comfort, as you said. It's your relaxation. You wake up more refreshed. You All of the things. I, yeah. I love this. I have, yeah. we, we've somewhat been doing that, but I'm going to get even more intentional around this. Yeah. Now. And you know, couples can have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. Like, a lot of fun with it. Like think about the funny texts and things like that, that you can send back and forth on the day of, or things like that. Like it can lead to a lot of humor, like, you know. So my, my kids were in French immersion and Max had a song in kindergarten and Ilia set jour dans la semaine. There are seven days in the week. Anybody'd right. would sing it. So we got into a habit last year where Peter would be like, there's seven nights in a week. <laughs> and he'd sing <laughs> right. it to me in French. And then I'd be like, yeah, but like, I got it. It has to be an early night tonight. And he'd be like, well, then there's six nights in a week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it can be fun. But it is, you know, and it's the intentionality. Like, I'm so glad you said that. Because when we look at the things that really strengthen a relationship, it doesn't have to be these grand gestures that take a huge amount of time yeah. it's been found that the that just doing little things but doing it with intention 
can be really, really effective. And to kind of even recognize like, so the other day I got in the car and I am unbelievably classic for not putting gas in the car. So like I, I ran out of the gas on the outer ring road last year. Like I am just really, really bad for this. And, um, and so I get in the car the other day and I knew as I was getting in, I'm like, Oh God, it's on empty. And like, this is just my classic morning. Like I regularly am sending a message to my first client running a few minutes late. It's me like racing to the gas station, but I get in the car and the gas tank was full. And I was like, Oh my God, he filled up the car. The best. And, and so the it was like, so good. I was like, Oh my God. Like that was just little so things are big things. Yeah. 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 That on his way home from the rink the night before he had driven the car that he knew I was going to be taking in the morning and he put gas in it. And I'm sure he didn't want to, the weather was crap. And yeah. Here's the thing, though, that happens in our relationships a lot of times, like, you know, it's easy to not reach out and kind of show that you appreciate that because we can often be like, well, he did that. But we have this tally of all the things that we just wish that they were doing better or differently. And it holds us back from being like, thanks for putting gas in the car. I could have been like, well, he put gas in the car, but it wouldn't it wouldn't kill him to like figure out what the kids are going to eat once in a while. Like I'm always doing that. Yes. Why do right. we do that? That tit for tat. Right. Like, yeah. and that's the thing that is so brutal after kids is that your time is so constrained that yeah. you're keeping a tally all the time. And so I I recognized the whole thing go through my mind of like he did that, and I immediately went to like things that I wish he would also do, and I'm like, what? Like, what, what is wrong with me? Why can't I be like, grateful? And so I, you know, went through a drive through to get coffee and I said, oh my gosh, thank you so much for putting gas in the car. It really just made my morning. Right. And then he wrote me a really sweet message back. And so a lot of times people will kind of say, well, I don't know that I need to thank them for doing something that they should be doing anyway. So that was obviously he went out of his way. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to like folding laundry or doing the dishes, we kind of feel like, well, these are the things that we should be doing. So I, sh- I shouldn't have to say thank you. But it's it's not it's not saying like, thank you for doing my job or anything like that. It's really just saying, like, I recognize you, like, I acknowledge you, I respect that you did that. Like, and so it's just like putting intention into saying like, hey, thanks for like working on the rink again last night, even yeah. though while he was working on the rink, I was probably inside stomping around because I was doing homework and supper and being like, he's out there with his headphones in, like on the rink, love, living his best life, you know? Yeah, it's so true because I think sometimes uh, like there might be hesitation in offering that thank you because you're like, I don't want to thank him. It's not my job. It shouldn't be right. fully, fully my job. Like, it's not like I'm not like he came and taught a class for me. You know what I mean? Like, it's... yeah. It's, it's, but that's, that's a great point because I love hearing, I, and I think it's my love language. I love hearing that I'm appreciated and the things that I do is appreciated. And I'm yeah. sure that goes both ways in a marriage. Exactly. It has to. Like we're constantly searching for validation. Like I've talked about validation in some of our whale and wellness talks, you know, mm-hmm. in that, you know, to someone communicating to us that how we're thinking or feeling or acting makes sense for us in our situation. Like how often do we feel really strung out um, at the, you know, when we're kind of doing something involving parenting and we'll kind of vent the other person of like, oh my God, like, so the other day um, I was playing castle with Henry. He loves playing castle. 
And it's just all this make-believe. And I sent a message to Ben. I'm like, time stands still when you're playing castle. Like, <laughs> like, like this, this is never going to end. And what I just so desperately needed him to do was to kind of just validate. Like, he yeah. like yeah. I just needed him to be like, yeah, time totally stands still. Like, it is brutal. I get you, you know? But a lot of times what we do is kind of like when we vent to somebody of like, oh, I couldn't get the kids to bed or whatever it would be. The other person kind of gets defensive because they think, oh, like they are feeling like I didn't do enough. Right. Mm. And so we get defensive and kind of like you either try to problem solve it or you deflect it or you talk about a situation that you were in of like, yeah, they were brutal the other day, too. Like I couldn't get them to sleep when you were blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Becomes and a we get in this dance mm-hmm. and it's because we both need validation. Right. So it's like. When he said, yeah, I know. Like, he plays castle way more than I do. He could have easily said, yeah, welcome to my world. I'm down there all the time playing castle while you're doing other stuff. Right. right. And instead, he was like, yeah, I know. It is brutal. I'll be back in a little bit and we can trade off. And then I, then I wrote back and I was like, no, it's okay. Like, you do this all the time. Like, I just, I can't, I can't believe how long it's taking this Black Panther to, to break through and get the queen. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so... But it's like, if we can just try to break the dance a little bit. So if someone's, if they vent to us, like, man, like, you know, such and such was brutal. Or I just validate it. Be like, I know. Yeah, I can. I totally get what you're saying. This is really relevant to me right now because, you know, it's not every day that we're talking about castle, like, especially as the kids get older, like sometimes there's some big stuff you got to talk about. And it feels very like I want to just unload to Peter because he's the only one that understands right. where I'm at, and and it's and it's new, and you're trying to navigate it, and what's the right thing to say, and what's the wrong I thing know. to say. We're and always I- in uncharted territory. Every stage, it's like, oh my god, just as I start to figure something out, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want it to feel. I never want it to feel like I'm like Peter. Figure this out, or what do mm-hmm. I do, or you should know, or or you know, but. Uh, instead it's, it's, it's just like, uh, like, I don't know, like, what, what do we do? <laughs> How do we deal with this hard thing? And then, yeah. so when you do go through a stressful time with your kids and stressful time is fluid, like it can be yes. from the newborn stage, they won't take a bottle so you can get an hour right. to yourself. And then it could be, um, you're dropping them off at a birthday party for the first time and not staying. And then as they become teenagers, there's bigger issues. So yeah. when you're going through that stressful time how do you, I don't know, navigate that stress so that you still value and see that marriage through it all? You know, what, mm-hmm. what's, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, navigating all that stress and kind of keeping your marriage as a big priority, you mean? Yeah. So, so like as a real life example, we moved this summer and we didn't move far. We moved 10 minutes down the road. We knew that it would be a little tough for the older boys with the transition, but it's turned out to be way harder than we expected. They're, they're good now. They've round a corner, but it was really hard to go to a new school and and, and new teachers and new friends and new hockey association and all of that stuff. And so we felt that (laughs) stress that they were feeling that stress. And then it's like, well, what are we doing here? Like, how do we, you know, how do we tell them? Of course it is going to be okay. Of course it is okay right now. But when you're going through the hard thing, how, yeah. how does the family unit stay cool and the marriage stays a marriage? And, you know, I know a lot I know. of layers, right? 
Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that's it, isn't it? That when, you know, it's, it's so much easier for us to kind of have a smooth relationship when, like when there aren't major stressors on you, you yeah. know, whatever the stressors are, you know, they, they kind of just, they're like this big, huge, like weight on our shoulders. And especially if it's something to do with your kids, cause you're both in it, you know, mm-hmm. it's one thing, like sometimes if, if you've got something really big going on with a friendship or work and you can kind of carve out some time to kind of talk with your partner and they can more easily kind of validate or help you problem solve. But when they're in it too, because it also involves their kids, mm-hmm. it's like, you're they're both like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it's so much harder to, to support each other when you're both experiencing the intense stress and the doubts and the fears, because you're kind of, you need each other, but neither of you kind of have that security or those answers to be like, it's, we're going to be okay. You know, that sort of a thing. Yeah. I guess it's about the compassion piece then like the Mm self-compassion, but also the compassion for your partner who's also going through the stress at the same time and everybody else in the house that's going through the stress. I know. And to kind of see it as, you know, that to kind of recognize that it's something that you're in together because Mm -hmm. even when it involves your child, like it's so easy for it to feel like, um, you're still kind of navigating it differently because you might have a different approach to it or different relationship with your kids, different roles. Yeah. To find a way to kind of recognize like that you're both in it together, even if the day-to-day kind of looks differently, um, because your role is different or you have different perspectives, like seeing it as like that this is something that we're both in, which kind of does go back to also like, you know, that communication of validating each other and kind of recognizing what's stressful about it for your partner. And then they can recognize what's stressful about it for you. And to kind of, you know, if we can't solve it, if we don't know what the answers are, if, you know, you're waiting for the boy, you kind of know, okay, I think the boys are going to adjust. And we just, right now it's hard. And there's no taking away the hard, you know, we just kind of have to ride this wave of recognizing we are all really vulnerable right now. And we need more support from each other, more compassion for each other. And it's kind of noticed like, this is a time of vulnerability in our relationship. And there's going to be times where we're way less vulnerable, right? When Ben yeah. and I were going through, you know, fertility treatment, yes, it was before kids, but it was still kind of around having kids. And man, we, we've never been so vulnerable as we were then. Like the So many feelings so and emotions, many. right? Yeah. yeah. And so figuring out like, okay, like we really, really need to have a lot of compassion for each other and we need a lot of nurturance and doing little things like kind of like kind of thinking about well what do you need as an individual when you're really vulnerable Mm. we need compassion we need kind of acts of kindness yeah we need um to kind of have somebody to be able to still see our strengths right and so we can do that in relationships of kind of really being intentional when especially when things are really intense like you know, if Peter was feeling like, I don't really know how to talk to the boys about this. Um, yeah, he didn't know. And you couldn't help him with that. Mm-hmm. But there's lots of amazing things about his character as a dad that was still there that mm-hmm. that you could kind of share with him, right? To kind of yeah. like put intention into kind of nurturing that that kind of admiration and fondness of like pointing out the things that we really admire in each other. We do that so naturally in the beginning of a relationship. And then we just take it for granted. We don't really think to stop and say, you're so good at this, or I love how you do this. And we need to hear that. 
on, on a regular basis, but we really need to hear it when we feel like we're on rocky ground and we're kind of in that place of just doubting how, like how we're navigating things. So being intentional about saying like, I know that these conversations are so hard and I love how you yeah. like, you know. Yeah. So what, I, what I've learned from you about validation has been such a game changer in my life because that's mm. all we want, right? Like that's all yeah. any of us want. And it's really changed my parenting too, because- yeah yes, you feel this way. That that's hard. I understand that you feel this way. We will do our best. We're going to, you know, you still have all your friendships from before and now we have space for new friendships and, and, yeah. and there's different ways. Yeah. As you said, so it's like, it's the, the take it's, I think it comes down to that intentionality. It always comes down to that intentionality and in remembering that your marriage is, is one thing. Your, yeah. your, your partnership as parents is another thing. And then the household yeah. harmony is another thing too. Exactly. And to just not lose sight of like, what are some of those core things that I need to do? Like do a little act of kindness, like, you know, for your, for your partner, just something small. Like when Ben put gas in the car, yeah, it was like, it, it was really, really helpful. Or like oftentimes like the tiniest of things when Ben goes to bed, he really likes to have a glass of water. And so if we're crashing and we're exhausted and he's like trying to get James to sleep, I'll send a text saying, I'm shutting down. I've got you a glass of water. And so he just doesn't have to go downstairs and get a glass of water. And he's like, it's like this little tiny thing. Cause Such it's like, gift. I know this is important to you and I'm yeah. doing it for you. I don't need a glass of water. I don't take, but Hey, like, this is something that I'm going to do. And it's just like, when you've got so many big stressors coming in at you and you can do these tiny things that just kind of you know, share this like kind of val a little validating statement or an act of kindness or like just saying like, thanks for doing that or pointing out something that you really love about them um, is such a gift. And I'll also say it's near impossible to do it. It's so hard when you're tired mm -hmm. and you're frustrated and you're feeling some resentment. Like it's so hard to do that. That's when we have to just be like, <laughs> okay. I'd like him to be very thirsty tonight. I don't care if he gets me water. <laughs> I hope he's extra thirsty. He can thirsty be parched and it doesn't matter to me, right? It's, it's such a good point because also on the other flip side of that, you feel so good then yeah. because he feels so good. Like he's yeah. like, oh, thank you. I just want to get in bed and have my water there. And you're like, oh, now he's all happy coming to bed all happy and it's lovely. Yeah. It goes both ways, doesn't it? And keep building on that. So I think the name of the game here is that we keep remembering who that person is that we're in partnership with and why the reasons yeah. think back to the reasons why you became a partnership in the first place. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and never lose sight of that. Like it's, I know, for example, like Valentine's day is coming up next Valentine's day. Yes. It's a Hallmark holiday. Yes. It's a little foolish. I still love it. I yeah. still love to hear. I love you or get a card or get a, some chocolates or, or, or get taken out or whatever. It's important. It's that yeah. time, right? It's, it's making that time. And, yeah. and family time is really important to me as well. Like the, as a unit, the five of us to spend time, yeah. just the five of us. And we've gotten extra intentional with that as well. Cause I see that the kids thrive when that togetherness yes. is there. Yeah. And even at like, you know, there's wide age gaps in my family, but we, every evening now after supper, before homework, we are out, even if it's 10 minutes for a little hike or a little play in the backyard yeah. or whatever. And it's just, it means so much to them. They get extra chatty. They're opening up more that, yeah. you know, like it's just, it, it it's, it's your people. 
And I these know, are the people yeah. that you're with and, and, and nobody has a stronger bond than these people. We had a, a cute experience with. the other day and that James has nine and we were, I was like, let's go for a walk. And to him, he was like, that, like that felt so boring. Right. <laughs> and so, and I was like, you know, he didn't want to, I'm like, and, and I'm like losing it. I'm like, it's not all about you. And, you know, we were, we were fighting, we were full on fighting and arguing and like, you know, he was just stomping around and you know, it was just a bet, you know, we were not having a good time. But I was like, we're going out doing this. So we get out. And I said, how about this? What if we walk to he wanted to, like I said, let's walk to your friend's house and just like have a little porch visit with them. So then he was like, okay, then there was like a little bit of a goal. Yeah. And so as we start walking, I picked up a bit of snow and threw it at him. And it led to a snowball fight. So the four of us were having a snowball fight. And we kind of like threw snowballs at each other the whole way over to this friend's house. Then we went and met up with this friend and they, they were like, yeah, we'll come out with you. And so we ended up like going out and having like a, a fun little um, kind of spontaneous get together with that other family. And when we got home and I said, no, that wasn't so bad. Was it like you're going for that walk? And he said, no. And he said, but I kind of wish we didn't go to so-and-so's house. I'm like, what? And he said, yeah, my favorite part was like, like I wish we kind of just kept, could have had our snowball fight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. You know, like just that. You know, that, that you got to just kind of create the moment sometimes. It, like I, it would have been very easy for me to be like, screw you all. And like stomped upstairs when they were losing at me about going for a walk. Um, but, you know, sometimes you just got to, you just got to go and just do it anyway. Yeah. But I mean, on the heels of that too, you know, it's also like a lot of the couples that I'll work with, a lot of times um, the men and women will say that they feel really guilty doing things on their own especially if kids are really young, they'll be like, yeah, mm. but I feel if I'm like, okay, so if you've been with the kids all day at five o'clock, if you're really on empty, like your basic needs are not being met right now, the kid, you can't get the kids to nap, like then go, go out at five o'clock. Like, you know, can you can go out for half an hour, an hour. And, and then they'll say, yeah, but I feel bad doing that. And that's a really big thing for me and Ben that we feel really guilty actually kind of stating our needs and and saying like this is something that I need this is what I want to do and it's that it's coming from a good place because it's like I need alone time or I need to go you know do something with a friend somebody that's not any of you guys Mm -hmm. um it's a need and you also kind of want that family unit you want to be supportive and so you end up kind of being your own worst enemy right because you're you that kind of then gets in the way of saying yeah I am going to go I'm going to go do this you Mm -hmm. know And so that idea of like in a relationship, just like giving each other permission to have independence, like autonomy to just go do your own thing, you know, is okay. And just kind of trying to make it even, you know. I think it's so important and it's, I'm, I'm bad for this because if I have spare time, I, I, like, I want to be with them and I know everybody does, but everybody needs something outside of the family unit. Sometimes you need to go do something, even if it's just go for a walk or, or, or go shopping or go poke around winners for an hour, whatever that looks like. But like Peter plays basketball when, when COVID's not causing that to be restricted and he plays hockey. And I try really like, I'm very intentional about when he'll send me a text and we could be up to our ears and he'll say, remember hockey tonight at eight o'clock. Um, I'm, I'm like, Perfect. Okay. You know, even if in my yeah. mind, I'm like, well, I hope yes. you've got Max put to bed by then because <laughs> I, know. I have a session and it's going to be busy and whatever. But instead I'm like, he really, he's such a hands-on dad too, that he doesn't do a lot outside of work and us and he should, and we all should. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually, 
you know, that none of us are super, superhuman. Like we have needs, we should have needs. Right. Yeah. And actually kind of figuring out like, you know, like if we're really feeling resentful or angry towards anyone, um, it's probably because one of our needs isn't being met. Right. And so to figure out like, okay, so at this stage, I have like an, a need for whatever it is. And to be able to be really clear, ask for it, not kind of assume that they're going to recognize you have that need. You know, I'm brutal for that. So I can sometimes be so bad for just assuming that it's really clear to Ben what I need. Yeah. And the poor guy, like he finds out when it's too late. And he's like, I, did, I didn't know. And fair enough, like, why would he know? Right. And so to just kind of really figure out like, what do I need? And to figure out how can I ask for it? Like, and just be really, really clear because we can just get in that trap of, well, they should know that I need this or, um, or kind of holding ourselves to the expectation that we shouldn't have that need of like, oh, I should be able to manage this. And then that frustration and short fuse gets shorter. Like it just continues. Yeah. If you don't get your needs met, like what's, what's, why do I feel this way? Why am I angry or resentful or, you know, Trying to yeah, escape here. Exactly. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. I was talking to a client recently and they were saying, like, I'm just so mad at, at, at like everybody and mad at him. And, and we were just talking about how, you know, at that point in time, her needs were different than they were three months ago because her kids were at a different stage, they're kind of different demands on her. And so to kind of recognize, like, it's, it's going to constantly change. And for right now, yeah. I need more of whatever it is. And I may not in, in three months time, you know, to kind of like, we can't just kind of set the ground rules and then assume that that's how it's going to be. Like, even with your boys going through that change, um, you know, that their needs and your needs kind of shifted during that time because it was such an upheaval, you know, and same yeah. with, with me and the kids, like depending on what's going on, kind of what stage they're at, what's going on with us, like our needs just change. And so to kind of like, no one can figure out what our needs are. Like we've got to figure it out. Like we can't expect our partner to know, especially if we don't know. And so to kind of just make that like a, a good thing that we want to model too, that there are times when we need support, we got to figure out what support we need. And then we just have to come straight out and, and like say it as opposed to, you know, our little comments that we can make our little digs or what have you. It can be so hard to be vulnerable in that way and to say that you need something or ask yes. for help in that way. Yeah. And that, that can be so hard. But at the same time, it's important for us to remember. And this is probably a tough, I know this has in the, historically been tough for me. Remember that life is fluid. Remember yeah. that these needs are ever changing. It might be what I you know. need today, but it may not be what you need next week or next week. Exactly. Month. Like one of my favorite things is just to add the words for now to the end of whatever it is we're mm -hmm. saying. Like, I feel anxious about blank. For now. for now, I need more support with bedtime and the kids for now, like whatever it is, or I need whatever it is that you need like that. It's going to change, but to kind of recognize like right now, this is kind of what my, you know, what's going on for me. Yeah. And it's okay to ask for that little extra. I love this. So in summary, validation is so important and that compassion, um, schedule, Schedule yep. the household and domestic stuff and also schedule the intimate times. It's, it's, yeah. it's a primal instinct. It's an important piece of it. And what else? Any other closing comments before we go? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that, that intentionality that you've talked about that comes up in so many different ways of, um, you know, recognizing that doing little things can be so valuable, like just saying, like expressing appreciation or 
like saying out loud or, or in writing, like what you really value or appreciate about that other person or, um, you know, kind of doing something kind, something small and kind to just kind of like, it's like every time you're doing that, you're kind of putting some, putting little things, you know, tucking little things in the basket of your relationship. Cause you know, when time is really constrained and literally human basic needs are hard to meet, we gotta, we gotta kind of find little ways to kind of just fill it up, you know? And so just doing those little tiny things and, and just being really clear about like communicating in a really, really clear way that we can't come make assumptions. Or if you find yourself kind of, you know, wanting to be passive aggressive, say like catch it and be like, okay, like I once made a comment of, <laughs> I don't think Ben would love me saying this, but I was like, is your stomach okay today? Cause like, you've gone to the bathroom a lot of times <laughs> for extended periods. Yeah. And I wanted to be like, when you go to the bathroom, leave your phone right here. Right. Yeah, that's right. You're in reading the sports news. <laughs> yeah. I know you are. Whereas I, I should have said like, Hey, I feel like you're getting more breaks than I am. Um, I feel like, you know, is there a way that I can have a few breaks? you know, like instead, like he snapped back and it just yeah. went, you know, just kind of, it got derailed, you know? So kind of catching, catching those little things and just being like, okay, there, I like, I'm frustrated because I need something mm. right now. I need a break, you yeah. know? Um, and just remembering those four big horsemen that the Gottman couple has identified of kind of making sure that we're really aware that we're all going to have our um, less charming moments, you know, in relationships, but trying to make sure that we're not doing something really chronically like yeah. the stonewalling and, you know, chronically being defensive or really critical all the time. And then the contempt, like if you find yourself feeling contempt towards your partner and certainly like acting in ways of contempt, like that's when it's a sign to, you know, we, we might need someone to help us with this, right? Yeah. We need kind of, uh, we need some support, whether that's that you read a book together or that you start listening to a podcast together mm-hmm. or you see couples therapy, like there's so much great stuff out there that we don't need to be kind of just navigating it on our own, you know, kind of in an, in isolation. Like we can kind of, that's know, another wonderful point because stuff. how would we know these four horses? Like, how would we know these stuff if we don't know this stuff? If yeah. we haven't made the effort to learn and, and, and if things feel rocky, whether it's periodically or it's temporary or it's, it's something that feels like it's building, it's okay to get help. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to get help. As you said, there's many resources. Couples therapy is wonderful and highly recommended. And then there's also books and podcasts and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. Like that, you know, there's a lot of things that you can just kind of take on as like, hey, like, let's listen to this, this book on audio, right? Like, let's listen. And like, I don't know, have a glass of wine or a beer and chat about a chapter. Like, I know it doesn't seem again, people sometimes resist that and say, well, that's a sign my relationship is in trouble or kind of the same way that we resist like the lack of spontaneity Mm. and just to kind of shift the way we look at it and be like, yeah, but we're doing this because we, we just kind of want to strengthen things. It's not a sign that things are bad, you know, and that I, and I think just kind of doing what you and I are doing, you know, that just talking about the fact that um, we do not live in, in perfect relationships and kind of like to figure out like, yeah, I'm climbing my mountain, you're climbing your mountain and our goals just kind of get better and better at climbing it. But it's by no means like none of us have kind of reached the top and we're looking down, shaking our heads at other people. So I think just even 
having these conversations, which is not easy because it's kind of, you know, we have to be vulnerable to be able yeah, to say is. what our challenges are. And I often talk about that even in therapy and people are like, oh, really? Like I can see that they're relieved if I tell them about a fight that Ben and I had. Yeah. I'll get Ben's right. permission. It's, but like, they're like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. It's the relatability. And I love what you said about filling up. And I don't know if you and I have ever discussed this, but are you familiar with the bucket fillers books? Yeah. Yeah. We we love those books in this family. So nice, aren't they? Yeah. And the premise is that everybody walks around with an invisible bucket and you have the ability when you interact with somebody to dip into their bucket or to fill their bucket. And who else's bucket would you want to fill than the person that you're living with and going to bed with every night? And there's this, I know we're getting a, kind of close on time, but there's this really nice concept, which is just to kind of figure out what uh, what your partner's love maps are, which really means like, what are the things that are really kind of special and valuable and important to them? And to kind of engage in acts that you know are important to them. To like, them, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have tried really hard to learn the rules of football because Ben <laughs> loves football like as much as he loves me, I think. Like Same he over here. Yeah. Yes, which is one of the reasons that the boys bonded so well. Yeah. But it's like, um, I know that having me kind of be able to watch a game here or there is something really important to him. And I don't care. I could care less about football. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the same time, like he will do like the same for me. And there's lots of times we don't do it. But just like that's another amazing way to just fill each other's buckets of, of kind of saying like, what are the things that are really important to them? And just with intention, doing that sometimes, like just being really kind. The way that you do when you're dating. When I first started right. dating, then I probably pretended I loved football. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I very well might have told them that I loved the sport. I knew nothing of it. And I don't love the sport. I think I watched the Super Bowl the first year Peter and I got together. And it <laughs> might have been my last time. Right. <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> Exactly. The last time I watched the Super Bowl, I was on bed rest with Henry and he was watching it in the room. I was in bed and I'm like, well, you've got me trapped now. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> I have to watch it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, think too, sometimes your partner, when, when, when you come together at the end of the day, which is typical, everybody, you know, a lot of people are working and then you're parenting and doing whatever. They've been through the battle that day. They've been through work that yeah. day. They've been through other things that day. And, and then, then you got the kids down and whatever. And like, what does... What does he or she need? Be aware yeah. of your own needs, but be aware of what they need to treat them the way that you want to be treated, right? It because it, it yeah. we can we can kind of change the dance. Like only if one person changes the dance, the other person has to change the dance too, right? You kind of and so we can be resistant sometimes to being well. I shouldn't have to be the one, but if you really want things to kind of continue to strengthen, then just be the one. Like just just do something that's a little bit different, and then the dominoes effect will happen and you'll benefit from it even if you kind of take that first step absolutely and i think too i mean you and i are recording this right now on a friday and like i know how my weekend's gonna go i've learned a lot of good tactical stuff (laughs) and i can't wait for this to be public so that people can start making their. ben and peter are going to be texting each other tonight for sure (laughs) they're going to be like what (laughs) happened to these girls why are they so energetic on a friday night Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> you are such a gem. Thank you so much you for this. Too. I appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. I just love our conversations and we're going to keep having lots more. Absolutely. I will take as much time as you'll give me. <laughs> I just love being around you and always. 
Thank you again for tuning yeah. in to the For the Well of It podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a positive rating and review. And also feel free to share this episode on your favorite social media channel- channels. I'm sure we all learned something and I'm sure that those we love could benefit from this as well. I promise to keep the inspiration coming to keep things real for the well of it.